Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. Today we are at the second special feature for the week of the Italian cuisine in the world. And today we are going to discuss the innovation and the ingenuity of the Italian tradition and research in the space. And we are doing it with two experts. One is Professor Fabio Santoni, who is a professor of aerospace system and a scientific attaché at the Italian Embassy in Kenya. And the second expert is Stefania De Pascale, professor of agriculture and I could say one of the world experts on space agriculture. Thank you so much, Fabio and Stefania, for being here with us today. Thank you, uh, Samuele, uh, for inviting us. Uh, at the embassy, uh, as the scientific attaché, my role is the, to promoting academic bilateral collaboration between Italy and Kenya. But since the ambassador is also permanent representative at the United Nations Environment Program and UN Habitat, which are both based here in Nairobi, deeply involved in multilateral diplomatic activity for what concerns environment and urban areas. So let's say I'm part of the science diplomacy network of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. In the past, I've been a delegate to several UN COPUOS meetings at the United Nations office in Vienna. UN COPUOS stands for United Nations Office for the Peaceful Use of Outer Space. So this is what, what is my profession as a, an academician uh, at Sapienza University of Rome. And coming to sustainability, which is the subject of today, I'm also deeply involved as a professor in space sustainability. We have polluted even the space environment, so maybe this will be the subject of, of the next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So I remain an aerospace engineer, but I can say that I'm quickly gaining experience in environmental issues, of course, mostly with the science diplomacy perspective. And thank you so much, Fabio. A wonderful to you. And you already put there another episode that we will do soon about sustainability in space and we will bank on your experience. Stefania, can you tell, you know, you are one of the leading experts and I'm sure people, they are thrilled to, to learn about wow, space agriculture. What is that? Can you tell just two words of who are you and what is your journey? Thank you, Samuele. It is my pleasure to be here today for this week of the Italian cuisine in the world with you and Fabio to speak about uh, space farming or agriculture in space. I am a professor of horticulture at the University of Naples, Federico II. And uh, for more than 20 years, I have been involved in uh, what uh, you call the agricultural space, but there is, um, uh, it, it is a, a research um, activity focusing on the use of plants uh, for uh, supporting uh, uh, human life uh, in space. And so we will see together why plants are so important for our life. Thank you so much, Stefania. I I'm really thrilled and curious. You know, we have, you know, innovation and connection on Earth for the sustainable and healthy food production. This is the episode. And then now I really want to discuss that. Now, you know, we, we are celebrating with this uh, three series of special episode, the, the week of the Italian cuisine in the world. And this year, 
the team is really linked with the, the core and the objective of this poster because it's conviviality, sustainability, and innovation. And we had many episodes discussing about those themes. So those are the ingredients of the Italian cuisine for the people health and safeguard of the planet. It's really sustainability is important. We are in the week of the COP, we are discussing this, and we are now uh, at the brink of our crisis. So therefore, sustainability must be at the heart of our, of our world. Fabio, could you explain more about it? I mean, why the theme of the Italian cuisine and the importance of it? This week was established, as the ambassador explained very well in his um, speech, to promote uh, the, the Italian cuisine and Italian tradition in the world. What we want to give today in this podcast is uh, the scientific approach behind uh, the, these keywords for this year, or better, we would say the ingredients for this year. These in ingredients are, as you said, conviviality, sustainability, and innovation. And how are these connected to science? Of course, for sustainability and innovation, this is uh, evident. Maybe conviviality, which is one of the major ingredients, may be less evident how this is connected to science. Conviviality has to do with the Italian way of approaching to food, uh, nutrition, and the activity of eating in general. And there are some recent scientific studies showing how conviviality, uh, which is commonly associated with fun and personal feelings, is actually connected to people's health. It's uh, a very profound uh, connection. For thousand years, conviviality uh, has been one of the main moments of socialization. In fact, the word conviviality itself derives from a Latin word, which means exactly living together. We know from ancient literature that archaeological findings that in the earliest form of society, sharing the meal was not just a moment to satisfy the need from hunger, but it has deep meanings in the sense of community and the sense of feeling safe. Uh, in sharing food, uh, also when meeting strangers was important because eating together means we are not poisoning each other. We eat from the same bowl, we drink from the same bowl. Uh, it means we can uh, share our uh, time and we can trust each other. In addition, this is an experience of identity. The way in which we prepare food, the techniques of cooking and mixing flavors uh, identifies the group in which one is part. So. Identify my group by unique way in which I prepare food, and this has to do with conviviality as well. Then on another side, we must consider that there are deep emotions connected with tasting the flavors of food. When you eat, uh, you link uh, to the flavor, and I'm sure everybody had the experience of remembering specific moments in life associated to a special taste. Uh, for example, we all remember when we were a child, maybe we had a special dish prepared by our grandmother. And this gives identity and becomes what we call a tradition in the years. So if we think that food is connected to emotions, we can anticipate that emotions are strictly connected with health. And in this regard, I would like to mention a recent study from the neuroscience department of MIT, uh, in which the neuroscientists were investigating the human behavior consequent to social isolation. What they found is that the reaction to social isolation activates the same neural region in the brain as hunger. So when people are forced into relational isolation, they react with a strong desire to socialize, which is processed by the neurons of the reward circuit. 
These are the same neurons activating in a hungry person in front of food. So in other words, on a broad perspective, non on, on the neuroscience specialist view, we might say that one feels rewarded by food in the same way he or she feels rewarded by socialization. Therefore, it's not only important what we eat, but how we eat, with whom we eat, in what situation and for how long. So if we think on the definition of health in the constitution of the World Health Organization, this states that health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Then we see how beneficial conviviality can be to health. Of course, not only in regards of diseases related to food, but in regards to well-being in general. And I'm sure uh, we experience, all of us experience this during the isolation consequent to the pandemic. So this is, I think, very well known and shared. I don't want to spend much more on this, but everybody experienced isolation and we have seen the consequence of this on, on the human behavior in general. So today we have a scientific demonstration on what happens in our brain, in addition to what philosopher and common sense in the Mediterranean tradition have done for centuries. Now we can explain the mechanism by which conviviality is so beneficial to health. So going back to the other two ingredients, sustainability and innovation, it's well known that we have broken the balance in our relation to our planet. We are globally consuming the resources of our planet like the Earth was one and a half to three times its actual size. And we are already facing the consequence of this unbalanced relation in terms of climate change, biodiversity loss, pollutions, and several others. But since today we are talking about Italian cuisine and food, if you approach this from a scientific perspective, we soon go into the food chain, and as the ambassador anticipated in his, uh, in his speech. The food sector accounts for around 30% of the world total energy consumption and accounts for around 22% of the total greenhouse gas emission. So we understand how huge the impact of food on sustainability is. And in addition, around one-third of the food produced for human consumption is lost or wasted from the farm to the fork. So I, I want to point out this huge level of inefficiency, which has a relevant economic, social, and environmental impact. So this is why I would like to concentrate on food waste, because we always think on one side of the medal, which is sustainable and healthy food production, which of course is, is very important, but often we do not consider the other side of the medal, that is food consumption. The United Nations defined a methodology for measuring the performance of countries on how they manage food once it is produced. It is called the food waste index. And if we analyze the data published by the FAO, we see a paradox that being food loss related to technology and innovation, the regions with highest food loss are the developing countries, which means food in percentage, not in absolute value, of course, is lost in developing countries. In particular, Western Africa reached almost 25% of food loss. Instead, the regions with the lowest food loss is Europe, and I would say proudly Italy is uh, with its 7% of food loss is among the most uh, efficient uh, food chains in the world. So the message I would like to convey is let's improve food production, of course, but at the same time, make sure we improve the food chain and food consumption as well. Wonderful points. And thank you for explaining so well. I really, I really like a lot of points that can be also many episodes and many discussions. 
I want to point out, I think you have discussed and very well also the ambassador discussed this, the role of Italy. And you pointed out in the last sense, which is the role of Italy and of its academic excellence in solving this crisis? Of course, there is lots of science and technology in this chain. And Italy is proudly a world leader in this field. But in addition to the scientific excellence in this field, which is very well represented, for example, by Stefania De Vascale, who is here with us today, I would like to mention a very important initiative taken in Italy during Expo 2015 in Milan, which is to me one of the most important legacies of Expo uh, 2015. It is Milan Urban Food Policy Pact, signed in Milan by more than 100 cities. Why is this pact so relevant, in my opinion? for two uh, considerations. First, the global population, which is about 8 billion today, according to the latest projection, could grow to almost 10 billion in 2050. And second, more than 50% of the world population is currently living in urban areas, and this proportion might increase to almost 70% by 2050. So these two considerations combined together tell us that uh, politics, procedures, and most of all, scientific innovation undertaken at urban level will have a major impact uh, in the future. So most of the food chain is deployed in cities with more and more uh, impact on a medium-term perspective. So the aim of the Milan Urban Food Policy Pact, which I underline is a pact leaded by Italy, concentrates exactly on food system in urban areas, promoting innovation towards food systems that are inclusive, resilient, safe, and diverse. And one of the main topics addressed is the resilience to climate change and natural disasters, dealing on how food is stored and made available efficiently and in a healthy fashion in case of disasters affecting urban areas. So let me conclude by mentioning a distinctive sign of Italian food tradition. Italy is the first country in which a faculty of gastronomic science was established. We are exporting today not only food products, but food culture. And since we are here in Kenya, I would like to mention that an Italian team was in Kenya just before the pandemic, preparing a collection of Kenya traditional foods together with local colleagues. So we are talking about a book of more than 200 pages collecting indigenous products and recipes based on a methodology fully developed in Italy. So in my opinion, this is a strong and unique cultural support that Italy can provide to global biodiversity preservation and local food efficiency. Thank you so much, Fabio. Such important points of discussion and especially I remember Expo 2015 and, and the work also of the Milan Pact and really the, the role of leadership and example that Italy has done and, and especially I, I, and what you mentioned. And now we think that now we, we go a bit funneling down we go now to a role of innovation in an area that is not well known. I mean, we seldom discuss this, but we can get an important lesson on how to create sustainable food system without waste and protecting our planet. We are talking about space agriculture, and we want to do it with one of the leading experts, Stefania De Pascale. So for me, it's a pleasure to have you here to discuss this theme, agriculture in space. And this is, I think, an important fact that uh, Italy, as Fabio mentioned, as a position of excellence, not only in the, let us say, traditional agriculture, but also in space, a frontier. We can say a frontier, a turbulent environment. So, and for me, it's fascinating. It's something that 
also brings about the futuristic space. So can we discuss a bit this, like we funneling down in the three different keywords of our week, of the Italian week for the cuisine. And we start with sustainability because we think that sustainability in space is not a choice, but it is a must. So can you tell us, Stefania, where are we in the space farming and how you can really approach sustainability in that space? I will try to make a very long story short. Today, the International Space Station, as everybody knows, is in low Earth orbit at about 400 kilometers above the Earth. And it takes from four to six hours to reach it. So less than the time needed to come to visit you from Italy. On board the International Space Station, environmental resources, basic resources such as air and water, are only partially regenerated by physical, chemical life support systems, and they still need regular refills and fresh filters, whereas the food for the crew must be entirely supplied from Earth, so a large amount of basic resources have to be transported to the International Space Station and the waste returns back to Earth. This, to sustain the, the crew needs, calculated to range from two tons per person per year if the resource use is limited to the minimum, meaning that they wash themselves with a, a wet cloth and do not take a shower, up to five tons per person per year. And of course, you can imagine that these problems uh, will be much bigger if we think about human exploration of Mars. Considering that with the technologies available today for space traveling, the time scale of a typical Mars mission is 500 days, and that the shipping costs increase from with distance from 10,000 to up 300,000 US dollars per kilo, you can say that it's neither feasible nor sustainable to supply a spaceship traveling towards Mars with enough resources to fulfill the crew needs. Therefore, we must develop knowledge and technologies to make life support systems in space self-sufficient and sustainable. Switching from physical chemical to bioregenerative systems, which rely on biological components for the synthesis, purification, and regeneration of basic life support resources. So in such systems as it happens on Earth, plants play fundamental roles providing humans with fresh food, drinkable water via transpiration, air regeneration through photosynthesis, and the contribution to waste recycling through nutrient uptake. So we can say that thanks to the plants, we will be able to colonize other planets and maybe we uh, also be able to make our world a more sustainable world. Thank you so much, Stefania. Fascinating topic. 
I'm really thrilled to discuss more. And I want to just use, you know, uh, uh, launching what you have discussed and going a bit deeper. How then you can approach quality food production space and especially what is the role of Italy and contribution in this field? Of course, uh, uh, dietary and technical requirements need to be considered in the choice of the crops, of the plant species. And uh, we uh, have been working on that for more than 20 years, thanks to projects founded by the European Space Agency and by the Italian Space Agency. Generally speaking, the choice of the crops depends on the mission scenario. For short-term missions, such as the International Space Station or other orbital platforms, the choice of the crops, uh, the, the plant production of on board spacecraft represents a food integration uh, of the astronaut diet that is based on stored prepackaged food. In this case, the crops need to provide vitamins, minerals, and bioactive compounds. Just to give you a flavor of a space salad, I am the scientific responsible of the Micro42 project, coordinated by the Italian Space Agency, to design a facility to grow microgreens in space. Microgreens are a new class of specialty salad crops produced from the seeds of vegetables, herbs, or grains, and are ideal for space flight environments as they have a short species-dependent production cycle of one to three weeks from seed germination. And then they can be harvested directly by crew members, ensuring freshness and high quality. Microgreens could be considered a phytochemical factory since they contain more healthful nutrients than their seedling or fully grown counterparts. But microgreens have also been the protagonists of the first experiment on growing plants beyond low Earth orbit. The Green Cube project, founded by the Italian Space Agency, and coordinated by our friend uh, Fabio Santoni from the University of Rome, La Sapienza. Green Cube is an autonomous plant cultivation system to grow microgreens in a microsatellite, a 3U CubeSat, that was launched on the ESA New Vega Sea rocket from French Guyana on July 13, 2022, and is a micro garden, all Italian, uh, at 6,000 kilometers far from uh, Earth. But for long-term term missions, we will need more than a salad, of course. In a project founded by the European Space Agency and coordinated by Talesa Lenia Space, we are working to develop a prototype of a modular food production unit for cultivation of potato in microgravity. But Taking these to scale to support humans in Martian outposts is the real challenge. For such ambitious destination, we are working on crop production systems for selected simple crops, rich in carbohydrates and proteins to meet human food requirements, 
able to provide oxygen and clean water and to utilize efficiently recycled resources such as carbon dioxide, wastewater, or organic wastes. With this scope, an innovative plant characterization unit was designed and built within the ESA Melissa Pacman project. And this unit is located in Plants for Space Laboratory, the first in Europe, at the Department of Agricultural Sciences of the University of Naples, Federico II, where we perform the fine-tuned crop characterization needed to optimize plant cultivation for a life support system for space. Finally, during Moon and Mars exploration, it may be possible to supplement some of the materials needed for a regenerative life support system from in situ available resources. And I am coordinating the REBUS project founded by the Italian Space Agency and aimed at designing a bioregenerative life support system based on in situ available resources, such as, for instance, lunar or Martian soils, called regolith, for plant growth. The experiments are performed on uh, regolith simulants obtained in specialized laboratories on the basis of mineralogical composition of lunar and Martian regolith. And uh, uh, we mix these simulants with organic waste, and we are also studying the possibility to use urine as a component uh, of the nutrient solution. Uh, as you can see, the first uh, humans who will inhabit Mars and or Moon may be considered agronomists, I'm sorry, Fabio, or farmers, not astronauts. Thank you so much, Stefania. It's a fascinating topic and I'm learning so much. I'm sure also the audience is thrilled to, to lead. I mean, because it's not something that is mainstream and if we think you are preparing, you are, you will be one of the ancestors and the preparation of the future in space that is there for our human species, because I'm sure in the years and the centuries, we will travel in space and this is our dream. You know, one thing that was coming to my mind when we were discussing is this. This is wonderful. This is fascinating. We will explore Mars, the planet, the solar system. And those are the dreams that we had even when we were a child. And the, there are many books have written about it. But how this experience on your specialization and technological development in the field of space agriculture may be useful now to save our Earth, to develop sustainable quality food production here for us in this crucial moment that Fabio has discussed before. What I could say, so space exploration and the innovation it entails have always been important drivers for scientific and technological advances. A number of technologies explored for space farming experiments also have returned to Earth and found their way into the, the real agriculture or into and into the market. For instance, the air purification technology originally designed by NASA for plant growing experiments on the space station 
the light emitting diodes, uh, as well as uh, the closed loop hydroponic uh, systems uh, were used for the first time on large scale for plant growing experiments for space. The leaf sensor measuring leaf thickness developed to monitor plant water status during space mission and now used by farmers to irrigate crops. The scrubbing technology to destroy ethylene and other volatile organic compounds, but also airborne bacteria, mold, fungi, mycotoxin, and others, now widely used for the food preservation, not to mention the benefit uh, for controlled environmental agriculture, and more specifically for the emerging sector of the vertical farms, the so-called plant uh, factories with artificial lights. But as I usually say, research on plants for space will gain more space for plants on Earth, making it possible plant cultivation in extreme environments such as the poles, the desert, and even our megacities. For instance, I have been the chair of the advisory board of the Eden ISS project, a four-year project founded by the European program Horizon 2020 and coordinated by the German Aerospace Center with the great contribution of Italy. And the Eden ISS focused on ground demonstration of plant cultivation technologies under extreme environmental and logistical conditions. Specifically, a container facility operated at the German station in Antarctica to provide year-round fresh food for the space. So I would say space farming, crop benefits for Earth. I think it's really important. And when we were discussing, I think all this technology advanced and excellent, they will be also useful for us here, especially for Fabio and the discussion we have, especially in Kenya, that's another to say extreme environment where we really need now precision agriculture, we need production of food where the condition and the environment is very difficult. And I'm very glad also to see how the Italian research and the work you are doing is really leading the way into the application, the practical application of research for science, also resolving critical planet art problems. And the third word, it's a bit conviviality. And this is something that when you were discussing and thinking, wow, salad in space and the food in Mars, and I'm sure you have also discussed and worked. Is it true? You know, we can discuss a bit of this. Is it true that growing plants and eating fresh food may have a beneficial impact on the psychology and mental health of astronauts? How will it be also for us when we'll go to Mars? How you imagine that? Uh, okay, the space food improved a lot uh, from the first Apollo missions to the last uh, ISS expeditions, thanks to the research performed in specialized laboratories, such as the Space Food Lab of Argotech in Turin, again in Italy. But space food is pre-cooked, freeze-dried, and thermostabilized with a shelf life of at least 18, 24 months. For instance, Argotec prepared a special customized menu for uh, our uh, Samantha Cristoforetti, but 
in an interview in, uh, during uh, Air Futura mission, Samantha told Carlo Conti, who was presenting Sanremo 2015, that she was uh, really missing a fresh tomato salad. And a proper nutrition is crucial for the good performance of the astronauts and therefore for the success of the mission. And it is even more important if you consider the effects of the space conditions on human health. In human body exposed to microgravity for longer uh, time are frequent osteoporosis, uh, muscle atrophy, slowing of blood circulation, uh, and anemia, unbalanced fluid uh, distribution, which causes uh, the moon phase appearance, uh, typical uh, in the pictures of the astronauts, as well as other disorders. But since most of them depends on ox oxidative stress, Functional compounds in fresh food, such as, for instance, antioxidants in tomato, could be used as countermeasure to physical effects of space mission on human bodies. Moreover, by finally tuning the environmental and technical parameter, it is also possible to produce tailored fresh foods enriched of functional compounds and micronutrients. Space flight and microgravity also induce uh, psychological uh, uh, and physiological uh, changes, which may lead to an attenuation of taste and smell sensitivity and the flavor of food. For instance, microgreens or that I have already mentioned and herbs uh, could be used for their color and flavor enhancing properties. Finally, during long-term missions, uh, astronauts will experience prolonged confinement and isolation and will be exposed to social environmental stressors. And it has been proven that plants have beneficial effects on the crew moral from a point of view of time perception and uh, the feeling of home. In addition, fried food helps to preserve astronauts' well-being and now neuropsychological capability. Just to give you an, a last example, a study performed within the already mentioned Rebus project demonstrated that the consumption of vegetables rich in prebiotic, uh, such as fructans and fiber, is able to counteract the detrimental effect of stress resulting from long duration expeditions by supporting microbial communities and through the release of metabolites. So we can say that food in space will affect both physical and mental health of the astronauts. But by the way, Samuel, the same of course on Earth. Wow, fun. Fantastic, fantastic explanation. I mean, I'm really thrilled now. I want to jump on a spaceship and try. <laughs> and really, it's been a wonderful episode full of facts. And I think we will have also Fabio again discussing, you know, sustainability in space and how to clean space. And maybe Stefania to see where she has been with the results in the next maybe one or two years. As a conclusion, 
you know, we, I want to ask as a tradition of the podcast, a final call to action. And maybe we can start with Fabio. We have seen how much Italy has to offer in the food domain, in cuisine, and uh, very advanced science uh, and food technology. Now, all of this has its roots in the Mediterranean diet, a concept that embraces biodiversity, sustainability, quality, unique flavors, health, conviviality, of course, we mentioned this, with stronger uh, cultural heritage. So maybe this is a... a very well known, we, we always repeat this, but I think that uh, while introducing innovation in the food system, the driving principle from the Italian perspective should remain safeguarding our Mediterranean diet tradition. And uh, with roots in this tradition, Italy has already one of the most efficient food system in the world. And this is a model of sustainable development, promoting responsible, local and sustainable food consumption. Again, I stress the word consumption in addition to the sustainable food production. Fabio, thank you so much. We know that how important is this and really to bring together the two aspects. Stefania, your call for action to the audience. Okay, uh, so we have discussed how plants will be an integral part of any life support system for extended missions, providing food and oxygen and processing waste. Uh, of course, significant further advances will be necessary, and I'm sure that each of them uh, will bring new innovations to agriculture here on Earth. And, uh, maybe will help us to make our uh, ours a better world. Thank you so much, Fabio, Stefania. It's been a wonderful honor and pleasure having you discussing this such important and fascinating topic. And then please also stay tuned for the third episode. We will now, after the government and the ambassador and the director of the the Cultural Center, Elena Galenka. Then we had now this academic perspective and innovation, a wonderful episode. And in the third episode, we will discuss with Luigi Luminari the perspective of Italy and cooperation for a sustainable planet, especially focusing on the Kenyan and East African perspective. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Fabio Stefania, I am very humbled to, to have hosted you. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.